I'm Chad Rothermond. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. We're going to kill the goose that laid our golden egg? Today, we're going to be talking about Untitled Goose Game, uh, which was developed by House House. Uh, <laughs> and was released in 2019 on some stuff, PC, Switch. Was it on, uh, you wrote this down, didn't you? Yep. Nope. Those are it. And I guess on Mac OS. Yes. But no one cares about that. <laughs> no, nobody has a Mac in this day and age. Nope. Untitled Goose Game is, uh, I, I've, I've been kind of like thinking about how to describe it. And I think that the easiest way is like sandbox puzzle game. It's a, it is a puzzle game, like by its design, uh, you have to sort of figure out how to do things with the things that you're given, but, uh, the whole thing is based in sort of like a physics hell type, like interaction system. Yeah. I think you could describe games like this as like an escape room game. I've heard that term used. I don't know how much I like it, but (laughs) you have to use all the stuff in the environment to figure out how to progress. I mean, that makes some amount of sense. Uh, th- this is like, because we, we've talked about games that like are closer to that. Uh, I think Simulacra is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game doesn't use everything in its environment. It has a lot of things that are there to like throw you off, which is actually more like a real escape room. Mm-hmm. But is, you know, we're it's meeting in the middle. Yeah, there's a lot of noise, as we've talked about before. To yeah. distract you from the right answer, which is always a good thing for a puzzle game to have. Yeah, and the other good thing is that a lot of the puzzles have multiple solutions. Uh, so there are a couple of ways to get around uh, different things. But I think if you were to talk to the average person about this game, the things that we're saying about good puzzle design, probably not that important to them. <laughs> I, I feel like the big thing here is funny goose, funny cartoon goose, haha. Yeah, uh... <laughs> You're, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, <laughs> I, I have like some negative feelings on this game okay. uh, that are a little bit probably unfair. <laughs> but uh, this game is a victim of hype for me. Not that anyone was like talking up how great it was, but like everyone and their mother was talking about it. Yeah. It was featured more prominently than most indie games in a Nintendo Direct and multiple people who don't usually play video games that much mentioned this game to me uh so it just kind of feels like it was like created in a lab to like be the next big indie game to me almost like to appeal to people who would like do a let's play of goat simulator on youtube or something man i was going to name drop goat simulator like for the last three days basically i've been like gotta talk about goat simulator it's like the one big thing I can really draw a connection here to. The similarities are kind of stark where it is like the the games are of two different genres. They're of two different art styles and they don't overlap as far as like the the mechanical experience of them at all. Uh, the only overlap as far as I can tell really is just like that it's comedy based on like doing silly things. Uh, but then, but they are, however, both like jokey games, like games that are intended to have a comedic tone to them involving animals and are incredibly popular among everyone as opposed to just people who play video games. Yeah. And 
to be fair to this game, it's much more well considered than Goat Simulator. Like it actually makes some sense to play as a goose and like go around being like an annoying uh, burden to everybody. You could argue that that is the point of yeah. of Goat Simulator, but like, why a goat? Yeah, it's just sort of I think just the silliness of it. Yeah, Goat Simulator is like the self aware schlocky B horror movie of of comedy games, and this is I cannot even I cannot continue this metaphor. <laughs> it is a self-aware indie B horror movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. It'd be like if a big studio decided they wanted to produce uh an indie horror movie. Yeah, actually I can kind of I know what you're saying and I think cuz I'm drawing like, a connection to games where I'm like this is like the puzzle game version of like Ori in the Blind Forest where it's like it seems like somebody took a concept that could be done by an indie team and they're like let's just make it look super good so it it's, appeals to more people it's like napoleon dynamite it is like this is the napoleon dynamite yeah. of games uh except none of that is true because it's <laughs> <laughs> because it's a game that was like legitimately developed by an indie studio mm-hmm. that was like i think crowdfunded as well yeah but then it, it got a lot of push by nintendo mm-hmm and it is the kind of, like, quirky game that appeals to people. And I don't want to knock it for that, but I can definitely see how that, like, sort of sours the experience. Yeah, and the the price-to-length ratio also hurts it for me. Like, I, we usually don't like to talk about that kind of stuff, but this game lasts, like, an hour and a half and is $20, which is kind of a big pill to swallow, I think. I kind of forgot how much it was because yeah, I bought it a while ago. It Like, not to, like... It's gonna sound harsher than I think I intend it, but like, it seems like something like an like an iPhone game that would be five bucks. <laughs> that does sound harsh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't really mean that in a harsh way. We've played some great five dollar phone games here on Pocket, so that's true. And I think that this game does more than a five dollar phone game typically does. I think that there's yeah a, the average for sure. Yeah, that there's like a. Uh, there's a polish to this. Um, I, I ran into very few issues, and it's like a, a game where everything that you pick up is governed by like a, a physics engine, and there's actually a lot to interact with and do in the game. So, I don't know. O- overall, I was actually impressed by its presentation. I do agree that it's a little short, but I also don't care. I feel like this feels this feels more like a Star Fox situation, where... When we fin- after you finish the game, they want you to go back and do it again and do the extra stuff, mm-hmm. which we didn't do. Uh, one for time reasons, and two, like I feel like the charm wears off after a certain period. Yeah, I think that sort of thing works better, at least in my opinion, for like a Star Fox game because it's a more engaging moment to moment, like action shooty game. Yeah, where this is once you know like the the areas. And, you know, like, all the stuff you can interact with, like, even going back and doing the extra stuff probably won't take as long. True. And the the areas, like, having new areas and new things to interact with are really what drives your engagement with this game. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed the experience of going to each new area. I thought that that all panned out and worked. And uh, I found myself, like, really amused by a lot of the things that happened. Uh, And... 
then when it came back and was like, go, I don't know, do some more shit with that kid in the in the parking lot. I was like, I don't really want to do that, mm-hmm. though. Like, I've, I feel like I've done everything that I could possibly want to do with that kid. And then we can move on. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I overall um, did enjoy the game. I just wanted to get all that stuff off my chest up front. That's fair. Because, um, like, it is, um, you, you brought up, it, it is very polished, and the presentation is really great. Um, I think, like, the art style and the color palette, I think, are particularly um, pleasing. It, you know, like, it, it's got this, like, cel-shaded kind of look to it. Like, the it just got a really... It's it's easy on the eyes. It is. And and ears, actually. I like the, uh, the way that the soundtrack sort of, like, fades in and out with... Uh, like, it basically... It is the closest thing that we have in in a game to a simulation of a guy watching you play a game while sitting at a piano, ready to just like jump in and be like, "This jaunty tune represents what you're doing right now," mm-hmm. and then these disparate notes represent you sneaking around trying not to get seen. Yeah, like um, like a single musician kind of like scoring a like a play, right? It's I don't know I I really do enjoy that and it blends together with the the visual presentation because it is so simplistic. Uh, yeah, it's a really playful use of music too. Um, it it kind of reminded me uh, we have to watch in music class in elementary school Peter and the Wolf. Okay. And each character would be represented by a different instrument, and it kind of made me think of that like well the goose is running and the music you know right. trills and you know. Like it, it felt like it, like it was a nice, like, playful syncing up of the visuals to the music, and I liked that a lot. Yeah, they gave a credit uh, at the end of the game to the, like, song that the that everything is sort of built around, because uh, I think what they did was they had uh, a composition that's uh, like a piece of classical music. It's called and it's called Prelude and there's a thousand songs called Prelude and I don't remember the composer which is like the one thing that's going to be identifying to anybody who knows this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, so it's just it, it's like that one thing and then they sort of improvise and I'm sure they did multiple takes, not actually just like a one take like. This is what I'm feeling like yeah, today. You just probably have to record everything like with a bunch of different tracks, so you mm-hmm. can turn ones off. You know, right? Just use the one track for whatever situation. But my my whole point of bringing it up was just because I like the idea of somebody sitting down at a piano uh, with a thing of sheet music and setting it up. And at the top of the sheet music, it says "Prelude," and then in parentheses, "Goose Theme." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it would be just very good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked, like, presentation-wise, the presentation of this game is by far the best thing about it. Uh, the puzzles are cool. They mm-hmm. you, There are some nice things that you can do, and I like the freedom it gives you. Uh, and I even like the way that it's structured, but that kind of bleeds into presentation. But visually and aurally, audially, sure. there's a word for that, <laughs> audibly... <laughs> Or where this game really shines and makes it uh, like a fun thing to play. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's yeah, where the charm that you mentioned earlier—that's where it comes from. And I think for the most part, or the most strongly, 
Uh, but you brought up the um, the structure of it, and uh, I do I would agree that's a strong point too. Uh, the like the progression of the puzzles in the areas I think has a nice maybe not a difficulty curve. I kind of felt like it had a flat difficulty, um, but there was a nice like the scope of it expanded at a nice rate. I thought. Yeah, I I liked. So I'm a big fan of the last objective. Uh, but we'll come back to that. But the progression through it was mostly because it was you could do anything in whatever order you wanted to, uh, as long as you finished like the one required one after you finished a set number of them. Uh, then you can move on to the next one. They couldn't really structure it in a way that made like the tasks per area get more difficult. So what they did was they made the areas themselves m- more difficult to like navigate. Mm-hmm. Like the first one, you're just dodging the gardener guy, and then the second area, there's multiple people, and like one of them is actively hostile toward you. And then in the third area, you have to like go back and forth between two. And then the last one, just everybody wants to get you the fuck out of their their space. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't know. Part of me wishes that the list of tasks were a little bit shorter, and that there were uh, like another area or two, because I think there's some like interesting level design here that I would have liked to have seen built on like even further. But I also understand that like that has to be the expensive part of this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to touch on. The levels have a kind of diorama feel, almost kind of like a Captain Toad type thing. Right. Where, yeah, the challenge is like navigating the levels as the goose, and you can't always open gates, and you can't always, you know, get around things. And then you have the added obstacle of like having to stay out of the way of the people. Um, But yeah, I feel like even still, you could do like a clever recycling of the assets you already have to squeeze at least one more level out of, you know, like I feel like you could have gotten another area or two. I would agree. I mean, maybe if you finish all the time trial missions, there's like a secret, you get <laughs> well, the hell level. I mean, I think this game's been really successful. Like they might do DLC. Very possible. Like do like a second level pack or something. Which if they did and offered it free would probably uh help smooth over any issues that you might have with the length versus the cost for sure um but i actually haven't heard a ton of that like normally if a game is like like i'm hearing complaints this is gonna like compare these two things and it's like both i think are legitimate complaints and i think one is way more overblown it's gonna be very obvious which one i think it is uh-huh. uh but i haven't heard anybody complain uh at least not like persistently about Goose Games' price, but I've heard a ton of people saying that the new Pokemon game is too expensive at $60 because they cut some Pokemon out, and I'm sitting there going, like, yeah, well, it's still a game, though. Like, it's a whole... This is probably, like, a 50-hour thing. Yeah, and the production value has gone up. Right. No, don't from, talk from, about from the that. Handheld game. Well, we're, we're... This is a, this we is don't a hornet's ruffle, nest. Yeah, we don't want to ruffle any goose feathers. But, uh... No, because I was just, I was thinking uh, of Hollow Knight. Mm. Hollow Knight's like a 40-hour game if you play all the content. Uh, well, even longer now, because they did a bunch of DLC. Yeah. Uh, and it's $15. Yep. I got it for like 8 or yeah, something. <laughs> and, you know, so that just seems like if they could sell that for 15 bucks and make money, 
Yeah. Well, I have to imagine, and this is, I'm going to dip back a little bit into talking about how I think that this game actually is pretty good. Uh, I, I think that a lot, a lot of why this game is the length and price point that it is, is because I feel like when the person, the people who sat down to develop a game called Untitled Goose a Game, uh, where you play as a goose and it's like a real short puzzle game, they were probably going, I bet no one's going to buy this. Uh, but obviously people liked it. The advertising got picked up. Uh, they probably subsidized a lot of that for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they ended up being able to sort of project it to more people and have it become more popular than it otherwise would have been. Like, if this got, like, an unknown release, I don't think that it would have exploded. No. I feel like it would have become part of that family of, like, cult hits like Goat Simulator or even, like, Octodad or something. Right. Which is criminal that we haven't yeah. talked about Octodad at this point. It's, but... it, I think it's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> it might have gotten lost in the shuffle, but we'll put it back on there. It'll it'll get there. Uh but yeah, I don't know. And the game is like, I don't know. I think the people who I've seen talk about liking this game gave me a different impression of what the game was going to be before I played it. Mm -hmm. Because my guess was that it was going to be the goose causing havoc. And then like in the end it ends up like the goose has helped people in some way <laughs> like it was gonna have like a nice but it really is the goose is just an agent of chaos in this yeah. game uh and that i found very surprising that's more or less what i thought the game was gonna be As from you, the get-go so. you've seen a goose in person before exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> It just seems so much like the, what the game was selling itself as. Right. Like, hey, run amok in this town. Yeah, when I had fully internalized that that was kind of like what they were going for, it made me absolutely love the ending of this game where you just drop the bell into the pile of other bells yeah. in the dirt. <laughs> I noticed the bells. I thought it was one broken bell. I didn't take a really good look at it. Right. Uh, but I noticed it at the beginning, and then when the last objective of, like, get the bell came up, I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Uh, but I thought that last objective of, like, having to take the bell all the way back through the game world to your uh, your den or whatever, your nest, uh, was great. It was probably my the favorite. The goose den. Yeah, the goose den. <laughs> David in the goose den. Um but no, I thought that that was like a highlight. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely there was like a highlight in every le uh, level, and I feel like that's kind of what you need for this game to be successful. Mm -hmm. it, it almost makes it feel like it's like the boss encounter of the level, right? Like the more difficult thing to accomplish. Raking the leg. Yeah, raking the. Leg. I actually think I got really lucky and was able to just easily do that. Uh, okay. So I didn't have trouble with Rake in the Lake. That's fair. But um, I wanted uh, to ask while we're on this topic, uh, if there were any like standout objectives that you liked a lot, anything gave you a, a chuckle? Uh, I thought the objective w that was, I think it was called Be Awarded a Flower, where you had to like play Simon Says with the two women sitting at the table at the bar uh, was just like the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> 
Uh, so I did really like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was my absolute favorite objective because I did get to scare that kid into the phone booth, <laughs> which was also pretty great. Uh, that that area, the second area, uh, the yard sale area, was probably my favorite one overall because the objectives were slightly outlandish, like get on TV, where mm. it's like, what is, and then you see, and you're like, oh, okay, I see what you're talking about, because yeah. everything's very small scale in the game. Yeah, for me, uh, the area after that, the neighbor's yards, was probably my favorite. I thought the layout of that one felt the most creative. It was, but for sure. I really liked messing with the uh, the guy. Uh, he's, tr- he's trying to read the paper and, like, taking his slippers and, like, taking one by one, taking all of his things and putting them by the bus and having the woman put them on. I thought that was fun. Yeah. There were parts of that, uh, like, neighbor's yard area uh, that I definitely liked more than a lot of other things in the game. But, I don't know, I think it was actually pretty consistent. Like, I don't think there was anything that was a super standout, uh, nor do I really think that anything was particularly bad. Uh, there was, like, one hard one in every one, and I think that's why they let you uh, skip, one, I think, just one, maybe two, in all the areas. Mm-hmm. I um had... A few, like, kind of classic puzzle game hiccups where it was kind of unclear what exactly I was, how I was supposed to beat a particular thing, but it was never, like, anything that was that bad. Yeah. The sun hat in the first one, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember what was difficult in the second. Oh, getting the boy to put on the the other glasses. That one wasn't bad for me. I ended up not doing get someone to buy back their stuff at the yard sale. Oh, right. It didn't even occur to me that you probably have to take the airplane from the boy and put it. Yeah, like, I didn't even think of that until, like, later. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's probably what you do. (laughs) And then I just never went back and did it. Right. Uh, the one objective I didn't finish in the game was make the man go barefoot because I uh, I got that one. That guy is just so fucking vigilant. Man. Yeah, you had to wait for him. He puts his other foot up when he's drinking the tea, uh, okay. and then that's when you can take that slipper. Yep. So Which... yeah, there's a lot of little things like that that you're gonna like not pick up on. Yeah, I think that actually segues well into uh, the other thing that this game has that uh, I didn't mention in the initial, like, spiel, and that is that this game is also, got, like, has elements in it that are uh, related in some way to stealth games, because you have to, like, memorize patterns and routes and also occasionally stay hidden, though that's usually a pretty trivial matter as to, like, with the isometric viewpoint and the fact that you can pull the camera back, it's pretty easy to observe unseen. But, uh... Yeah, it's weird to to do that. You're like, okay, <laughs> like, oh, what are you playing? It's like, oh, I'm playing a game where I play a goose. I <laughs> I can press a button to honk at people and scare them, and they're like, oh, interesting. What are you doing right now? It's like, all right, well, I know that at exactly one minute and forty <laughs> seconds from the beginning of the loop, this man walks three meters to the left, picks up this box, walks across the lawn, and at that point is when I need to strike. Like <laughs> ha- having to like actually have the layouts of everything in mine um, was like, it was almost funny to me in retrospect every time that I would do it because I wouldn't think about it. I'd be like, this is what I have to do to solve the puzzle. And then I would finish it and look at what the end result was. I broke a dartboard or whatever. And I'm like, 
why did I <laughs> spend this much effort on this? Yeah, I kind of didn't play the game that way uh, for the most part. I, I, I guess I was more aggressive, <laughs> where I would kind of just like go up to a person, take something near them, so they'd chase me for it, and I'd like, run it far away, drop it, so I can then go back and get whatever thing they were close to that I needed right. and run away with it. But I did do that sometimes. Like, the the stealthy mechanics almost felt kind of, like, half-baked to me because there was, like, no real consequences to them. Right. But uh, I would agree there is something, like, amusing about it. Like, I, would, I don't think it would be better if you eliminated that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, it comes more into play, I think, in the last two levels, or at least it did for me. Like, the last one, I did a lot of hiding underneath the patio. And, yeah. The the bar area is just very uh, hostile. It's a hard place to exist as a goose because nobody wants you there. But it does have a harmonica and it makes your honks <laughs> sound real funny. Uh, so there's that, I guess. I, I wanted to ask you about that as well, like the utility of the honk mechanic. Because uh, <laughs> I anticipated it being a bigger thing, but I found that I rarely ever did it. Well, there's, there are several mechanics in this game and I think that you use three of them ever, uh, pretty much. And not obviously not actually never, but you move, we walk around, you mm-hmm. press the button to run, and you pick stuff up. Yeah, and you duck down. Yeah, ducking to pick stuff is also on useful. The ground, yeah. But then the flapping and the honking do not come into play nearly as much. Uh, the honking is more useful than the flapping, and the flapping I don't know that I ever used outside of the one time that you had to perform. Right, I didn't. Yeah, I thought we... I kept thinking that was going to be used for something. I kept trying to blow the sun hat off the door, of course, with flapping the wings. I'm like, what is what does the flapping do? But um, I'm uh, sure there's something. I think now that I'm thinking about it you hit that button while running to make a sharp turn. That could make I think sense. that was in the tutorial, but I never did that because uh, I forgot, obviously. Right. But um, I think having those mechanics that don't get used as often kind of contributes to the, the noise that I talked about. Right. Like not only is there feel like a lot of stuff you could do with all the objects in the area, but there's also these tools that you have in your tool belt that you only use sometimes. So like may, you never know what you might need to do when you might need to use X thing or Y thing. Yeah. The, uh, the w- the wing flapping is the bat shark repellent that only <laughs> comes out the one time when you really need it. But when you do do it, you're glad that you had it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, though I guess that's a bad metaphor because in- <laughs> In the Batman movie, when he uses the shark repellent, it's, like, expired or something. So, uh, either way, though, uh, the the one thing related to stealth games and also this game that I did not like is that in a lot of stealth games, the bad way to handle stealth is if you're spotted, you just instantly lose. Um, and I feel like this game takes it in the opposite direction to an extreme where if you fail at stealth in this game, your punishment is to wait. And sometimes you have to wait for a very long time. There's a lot more waiting in this game than I wanted there to be. 
uh, to the point where I would just have the game on <laughs> and I would just be doing something else while I waited for something to happen. And I don't know. That's probably not great. Yeah. that I didn't find that happening to me as much. It might be a combination of my greater patience level <laughs> and the fact that I played it more like aggressively. But I, I didn't think it was that bad for the most part. Um, did you have like a like a greater point with that or? Uh, it's just not like waiting around. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, like my greater point there is that I just felt like there were certain things that, um, like I, I watched oh. you do part of the the thing with the box, mm-hmm. where your solution to he knew you were in the box was to just keep trying it until the game was like he forgot. And then he just did it. And my solution was like, oh, okay. So I moved the box a little bit, got back in the box, and then waited for him to make his whole route to the tomato place and then come back to pick up the box again. And it took me like five minutes. And that was like the biggest one. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of other instances where you're just like, okay, like I screwed up making the boy fall down. Now I have to wait until he goes back into the animation cycle that I need him to be in so I can use the thing again. Uh, I cannot come up with like a super elegant solution for that, <laughs> uh, which I imagine is how it ended up in the game in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it's just kind of a complicated problem with the tools that the game gives you. Yeah, I think it could be kind of worked around a little on the player's end by like just going and doing a different thing and coming back to that after. Mm-hmm. If if you wanted to, uh, I did that a couple times with certain things, um, but now I totally agree with your earlier point um, about the the taking the stealth mechanics to the opposite extreme. Like it it did it felt weird and stood out to me a lot that in that second area, that the woman at the yard sale is the only one that ever like attacks the goose, like uses a broom, like. <laughs> right. You'd think everyone would do that. Like a goose comes into a pub, you think it's got definitely going to get chased out of there with a broom. It's going to get whacked with a croquet mallet or something. Hey, hey Andy, a goose walks into a bar. Uh... Like there's the cricket mallet in the neighbor's um, level. And I kept waiting for him to go grab that bat. That thing was 100% Chekhov's cricket mallet, because or cricket bat, rather. Yeah. Because I thought that that was going to be the way that you made someone break the vase, to the point where I totally missed that he just threw shit into the yard. Yeah, I, I, that took me a while to figure out as well, and I had, like, gotten the vase over to his yard, but then he, like, was, you know, chasing me, so I just, like, walked away and while he was completely off screen, it just checked it off. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. And then it was the checked off. Check, <laughs> checked off's vase. Yeah. Check, checked off's gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, another thing I have here is that uh, I really like, uh, even though I didn't get around to doing them, I like that there is a bonus like to-do list after you beat the game. It, it reminded me of um, I Spy books <laughs> where they have the objectives on all the pages, but then you get to the back and they have like alternate things to find on each page. Right. It really made me think of that. 
So yeah, that definitely adds value to anybody who's super into the game. Yeah, and I mean, it, this is the kind of game where if you play it, particularly if you play it, you play it in like multiple sittings, uh, which you certainly don't have to given the length of it. Uh, but like, I've been in this situation where like I'll pick up a game, start playing it, uh, go through a couple of play sessions with it, and then pick it up, finish it, and then be like, well, I've only been playing for like twenty minutes or whatever, so I end up wanting to do something else so like i'll start the game over and like spend another couple of minutes just sort of like playing around with whatever like new game plus or just like fucking around in the starting area when i beat dark souls for the first time i went and killed petrus immediately because (laughs) i was just like i don't like this guy uh so yeah like i like that that's there if i hadn't had like the longest stretch of playing right before i ended up beating the game Mm -hmm. i probably would have gone and done a couple of those just sort of like to flesh out the experience and i i do appreciate that those exist Mm -hmm. um we we've talked about the visuals uh, a couple of times here and there but um i really like that the setting for the game is just like a british town yeah like a very small town <laughs> yeah something about that just feels really fitting to me it it kind of gives me like wallace and gromit vibes almost in a way like i could see this being the premise of the wallace and gromit short where there's like a goose that's antagonizing them right i just there's something about that choice that i really like also just so it doesn't get away from us wallace and gromit cheese robot for smash 2012 yes uh and uh the other thing is 100% yes, you were correct. This feels, this is exactly in the same wheelhouse of, of comedy that Wallace and Gromit is, where it's like mostly physical animation based jokes mm-hmm. and like the concept of just having all of these people being irritated but not pushed to the level where they're really doing anything about it yeah is also funny especially as it starts to ramp up where you're like now you're like destroying property and they're still just like "Ah, that dang goose Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that's as far as it gets uh no that's a spot-on comparison and the the setting and everything make it really uh good (laughs) (laughs) ties it together yeah I think that's all I got. All right. Do you have final honks? Um, I think like I opened up with, uh, there was like a negative like twinge to the game for me, um, given just kind of the hype or attention the game got. Uh, but like separating it from that, because you know, just like personal experience, whatever doesn't really matter. Uh, what's there is actually pretty good. It's a it's a solid game. It's funny. It's charming. Everything that people say about it, uh, it's mostly true. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a good time. Um, if you're an adult like us and you can just spend twenty bucks on a thing, the price really isn't that big a deal. So, uh, overall, I liked it. I probably wouldn't have played it if we weren't doing the podcast. Um, so. Glad I got the chance to, and uh, yeah. Um, so if you look at the the adjectives that describe this game, right? Quaint, uh, pretty pretty cool, uh, 
<laughs> Pop- popular among hipsters. Uh, maybe a little bit more expensive than you would pay for a similar product, but worth it for like the laughs and to get a little little drunk with your friends. I I'd love to see that as a bulleted list on yeah. like a box, well, like a physical release. For it would this. Be, it would be on two boxes. It would be on the box that advertises uh, Untitled Goose Game, and it would also be on the box that un- that that <laughs> advertises that bar that is in like every town that is just like only serves craft beer and is pretty quiet for a bar and is a little expensive and most of the people who go there have like a beard Mm -hmm. and that's my favorite bar admittedly (laughs) (laughs) but it has sort of the same pros and cons as this game does where i think that there's a a comfortableness to this game uh, that it doesn't push too far, uh, but the fact that it is different from the other things that exist makes it, like, a refreshing choice, you know? Like, nothing about Goose Game pushes the envelope as far as games go. Mm-hmm. But it's a non-violent puzzle game with a funny premise in a world where, or at least a world that used to be entirely made up of the 16 iterations of Call of Duty, and... <laughs> violence as like a a, a tent pole thing of games uh design generally mm-hmm. uh so yeah goose game is a place that i would like to go to chat comfortably with my friends uh and also i want to shout out because we somehow missed it that uh i love that in the end you get into that miniature uh, oh, the yeah. model, the model town, and the model town has itself a model town within it. Uh, probably the best joke in the whole game. Yeah, it's pretty good. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket and my extended metaphor this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time we're going to be talking about Little Inferno, uh, which is a game. It's kind of an old game. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, which is weird. I don't know anything about it. Like, I I saw it on a recommendations list, and the person who made it was like, don't look up anything about this. That is a good idea. Yeah, so I guess we're not going to go into any more detail. (laughs) Yeah, I know that it's by the guy who made uh, World of Goo and uh, a a human resource something, I forget. Uh, It's like a series of sort of, like, cartoony games that have, like, deeper premises uh and i have played it and i like the concept of it a lot so i'm, I'm glad we're going back to it uh especially with you having not knowing anything about mm-hmm. it so i'm looking forward to it until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com there you can find our email address you can find a link to our twitter our youtube uh all of our cool old episodes and i actually just recently and didn't tell fucking anybody about this (laughs) mostly because i was sleepy i think i just forgot uh made a playlist uh, of all the horror games that we've talked about and i plan to extend that to other uh genres depending as like the season uh entails uh but if missing you like we're sick on Halloween or something <laughs> and like couldn't make it out to do anything cool. Looking for a little inspiration. Uh, check out that playlist. Uh, pick a game, play it, listen to the episode. Tell us what you think on our discord, which you'll, you can find a link to on our website. Yeah. Post in the comments, 
tell a friend, all that good stuff. Honk that like button. <laughs>